0: And welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 188. We're in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, so let's roll. It says, The parable of the wedding banquet. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those people, See, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and and cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention to him and, and, and they went away. One to his own farm, another to his business. While the rest, now get this, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. <laughs> so <laughs> the people that were invited killed the king's servants. <laughs> the king was enraged. And he sent out his troops, killed those, uh, killed those murderers and burned down their city. Then he told his servants, the banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go to where, uh, the road exits the city and invite anyone you find to the banquet. Uh, so those servants went out to the roads and gathered everyone they found both evil and good. Didn't matter. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he was very pleased because it was a full house, right? He saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding, though. He said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Now, we have to keep in mind, in those days, there was custom, uh, customary to my understanding, to when people would come to a wedding, particularly a high dignitary like the king, that they would be given wedding garb. In order to put on so apparently um, this man I guess was given his wedding garb, but he didn't put it on he just stayed in the clothes that he was in and so when the king asked him about this the man was speechless he didn't have any response then the king told the attendants tie him up hand and foot throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and uh, gnashing of teeth for many are invited but few are chosen now what does this mean what is this alluding to And so we have to remember that a lot of times that when Jesus is talking in parables, he's talking to the Pharisees, the Scribes, the Sadducees, and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I believe that this uh, that the people that were invited to come but refused to come is representative of those people. They did what they wanted to do. It says they killed some of his servants. I think this is in reference to uh, the religious people and whatnot throughout history. You know, killing uh, God's spokesman, uh, maiming his prophets, and 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 jailing them, mistreating them, and that's sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, the Lord got tired of this stuff. And so he said, okay, invite whoever. And so, but it says that, so even when the guy came into the door, he was not clothed properly. Uh, Are we to assume that he wasn't clothed properly in righteousness? See, that he was still a clothed in wickedness and evilness? I don't know. But it seems to me that that would be some kind of indication that this is what Jesus is referring to. See, and it says God and Caesar. in verse fifteen. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to trap him by what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Uh, who are the Herodians? Well, the Herodians are people that align themselves with the Sadducees, not with the Pharisees apparently. And so they they are um, in in concert with them. Uh, but they apparently also um, have aligned themselves with Herod the Great, who was the ruler over the territory. And so. Uh, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are truthful and teach truthfully the way of God. You don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality. So they're trying to butter up Jesus. And so, so they're trying to laud him with, with flattery. Say, so, you know, we know that you're truthful, teacher. We know your word is accurate. And you know, we know that you don't care about what others think. And we know that you're impartial. We know that you're fair. So they say in verse 17, tell us then, what do you think? Is it, law, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So again, they're trying to trap Jesus. In verse 18, it says, perceiving their malicious intent, Jesus said, why are you testing me, hypocrites? He's seeing straight through them. He says, show me the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius. Whose, whose image and inscription is this? Yes. Caesar's, they said. And so, in other words, Caesar's image is on this thing. This is Caesar's monetary system. (laughs) Then he said to them, give then to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. In other words, he says you're carrying around money with Caesar's inscription and his picture on it. You know, this ultimately this belongs to him anyway. So give to him what is his. But give to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. See, so they, they've done this a couple of times trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus just sees straight through them. He sees the question they're really asking. <clears throat> so let's go on. The Sadducees and the resurrection, verse 23. That same day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, so this is their belief, there is no resurrection. And so they came up to him and questioned him. They said in verse 24, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up his offspring for his brother. Now this is stated in Exodus, I believe. And so they go on and say, okay, teacher, he says, now supposing uh, you know, there are seven brothers, and let's say the eldest brother is married, and then he dies, and he says, "Well, then the next in line has to marry his wife." And it says he marries her, and he dies, no offspring, and then the next in line marries her. Same thing. He says this, seven times this happens, and then they say eventually the woman dies. So they say in verse twenty-eight in the resurrection, then whose wife will she be? Um, then whose wife will she be of the seven, for they all married her. See, so they paint a scenario that you have one woman married to seven brothers because each successive brother died. And says in there, if, if the, what, what they're really saying is if there's a resurrection, then whose wife is she going to be? In verse 29, Jesus answered them. He says, you are mistaken. Why are you mistaken? Because you don't know the scriptures of, and the power of God. He says, You're mistaken. You're, 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 your premise is wrong. You know, this is a dumb question because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He says for in the resurrection they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So Jesus is essentially saying in heaven there is no marriage. So, <laughs> but you don't understand this. He says in verse 31, "Now concerning the resurrection of the dead." So Jesus going on and said, "Now let me answer the question that you're really asking." You're not asking about marriage in the resurrection. You're asking about the validity of resurrection in general. So Jesus said, now concerning the resurrection of the dead, haven't you read what was spoken by you? Excuse me. Haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? Verse 32, he says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. You see? He says, I am. So this is the Lord when he's talking to Moses. Uh, this is in Exodus. And when he's talking to Moses and, he, and he's saying, I am the God of Abraham. Not I was. He, he's saying, I am. And then it says, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Because the Lord said, because God said, I am the God. It's an indication from his perspective that those men, men, even though physically dead, as far as what we know about life, life and death, they are not dead. They're alive in the spirit. This is my interpretation. They're alive in the spirit. He says, I am their God, not I was their God. I am their God. And so Jesus is answering their question with regard to, is there a resurrection? Because God himself said, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. The primary commands in verse 36, it says, teacher, which command uh, in the law is the greatest? He said, to, he said to him, wait a minute, let me back up. So the Pharisees uh, had heard that uh, he, they had silenced the, uh, the Sadducees, so they all came to Jesus. Again, they're all trying to, tra- uh, trying to trap him. And then one of them asked Jesus this question, teacher, which command is the, uh, in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the greatest and most important command. Then in verse 39, it says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are commands. These are commands. Now, here's the thing: Can you command a feeling? Can you command an emotion? See, when we see that word "love," what we think of is emotional love, you know, things that give us goosebumps and pimples and, and all that sort of thing. But you can't command that. You can't command you, you 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 can't command your feelings how to feel. But when this word "love" is spoken in the word, typically. It has nothing to do with feelings and emotions. It has to do with actual actions and perspectives. See, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In other words, obey the Lord your God. Do what he tells you to do with everything in you. Accomplish your tasks. Be obedient. That is a demonstration of love. And the second is like it: love your neighbor as you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So love your neighbor; treat him right. You know, this is these things can be commanded. See, these things can be commanded, and so it's not talking about emotional stuff. Verse forty. It says all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So the Ten Commandments, everything the prophets were saying and this and the other, they can be boiled down into these two commands. Because if you're obedient to the Lord, then you will exercise everything that's in the Ten Commandments. If you're obedient to the Lord, then you will treat your neighbor as yourself. Because you will behave in a selfless fashion. You will be humble. You won't be arrogant. See? So he said, you, you, you do these two things, you fulfill everything. It's just that simple. The question about the Messiah. While the Pharisees were together, Jesus questioned them. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Isn't it interesting? Every time the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees ask Jesus a question, he answers their question, but then he comes back at them with another question. And so he's saying, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, David's. He asked them, how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, so David was under the, 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 the instruction of the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord? Verse 44, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And so we hear in the scripture um, that that the Lord declared to my Lord. So what's, what it's saying here is that God, this is David under the, under the influence of the spirit. He's saying, God said to my God, God said to my personal God, God said to my Lord. And so what's happening here is Jesus is calling him out because he says, look, uh, David He says the Messiah is from the line of David, but here David is calling the Messiah his Lord. He says, well, how can the Messiah be David's Lord if he's from his line? What Jesus is trying to point out is that this thing is a supernatural thing. This is a spiritual thing. You're just you're looking at the Messiah as a human being. You know, somebody uh, that, that, or I should say, is only a human being, somebody or something that you're familiar with. This is something greater than what you know. This is something different than what you know. See, this Messiah isn't what you think or isn't who you think it is. It says, if David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? No one was able to answer him at all. And from that day, no one dared to question him anymore. They had it. They were done. They kept, they tried to trap him. Uh, they tried to get him to say things that would indict himself. And he just kept coming back at them with questions, proving before people what they didn't know. And the word says here that after this, they were done. That was it. <laughs> they didn't question him no more. Let's go on to chapter 23. Religious hypocrites denounced then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. Um, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. So Jesus is telling the people look, do what they tell you to do, but don't do what they do. <laughs> he says, because they're hypocrites. What they tell you typically is a good word, but don't do what they do. Don't watch them and do what they do because they're hypocrites. They're scoundrels. They're snakes. Don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. (laughs) They uh, They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on the people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. That's their motivation, to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. What what is a phylactery? A phylactery is a little box that they would hang off of their robes and whatnot that would contain scripture. So they'd have a bunch of little boxes hanging by ropes you know, off their robes that contain scriptures. And so what they do is they would make these things big to make it look like that they were very, very righteous and holy. So they'd have these big phylacteries hanging from their robes, you know, uh, indicating that they had much scripture in there and how holy and righteous that they were. And then the tassels were on their prayer shawls. You had tassels that were on the edge. So you put the shawl over your head as you were praying to the Lord and whatnot. So they would lengthen the tassels on the shawl to make it look like, again, that they were holy and righteous people, more holy and righteous than anybody else. And this is what they like to do. It says, They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats of the synagogue, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. And so they love the titles. They love the recognition. See, they love to walk down the streets and nod at people and get acknowledged and recognized. Jesus is calling them out. It says... But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, look, people hang their uh, esteem on titles. Jesus said, don't get involved with that. Don't separate yourselves by who gets entitled what. You know, don't don't hold this person in higher esteem because they have the title of father or this. Don't hold this person in higher esteem because we call him rabbi or teacher. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't create these divisions amongst you that create uh, levels, different levels of status amongst you. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. For you to be truly great, You have to serve everybody else, not the other way around. See, the people with title, they are looking to be served by others. But to be truly great, you have to serve others. Then you'll be elevated. If you are truly humble, you know, not false humility, but if you are truly humble, then you'll be elevated. This is backwards thinking, right? This is not thinking that is accustomed to folk. Jesus is trying to correct their perspectives. Then he goes in on the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces for you don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in either. See, so these are supposed to be the teachers. These are supposed to be the ones imparting wisdom and knowledge. That's, that's, that's granted from the Lord. But he saying, look, you, not only are you not going in because of what you're doing and what you're and what you're trying to get across and impart, you don't allow anybody else to go in. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel over the land and sea to make one convert. And this this is interesting. <clears throat> and when he becomes one, in other words, you you go anywhere to make a convert. And when you're successful in converting them to, to Judaism, you know, when you're success, uh, successful in grafting them into the family, what happens? He says, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. <laughs> he, he says, you make him worse than you. You go out to convert people to the faith to bring them to God, and the result is, you make them twice as bad as you. Woe to you, blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. And so what Jesus is telling the scribes and the Pharisees is people come to the temple who don't bring anything with them and they they make oaths and whatnot. And to you, that means nothing. But if somebody comes in and pledges some money or some gold or whatnot, you hold them to it. See, when they put the money out there, then you hold them to it. It says blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that um, sanctified the gold? Same question today. What's more important, the money or the God who allows you um, the skills and ability to make the money? See. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says you pay a tenth of of your resources and whatnot. So you're you're, you're obedient in that respect. But you've neglected these other things that are more important. And so uh, Jesus says, uh, these things should have been done. You should have been paying your tenth. You should have been paying your tithes without neglecting these other things. They're not mutually exclusive. You do both. You do both. You pay your tithes and you exercise justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's not one or the other. You do them both. He says blind guides. You strain out a gnat but gulp down a camel. A camel. He says, you, you strain out the little thing but you swallow the big thing. You know, so you eliminate the little sin but you swallow the big sin. You don't understand. You don't understand the Lord's priorities. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. You, you, excuse me, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You make yourself look good on the outside so that you garner respect from everybody else, but internally, you are dirty and nasty and evil and wicked and whatnot. <laughs> Your exterior does not accurately portray what you are on the interior woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites you are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside but inside are full of bones of the dead and every kind of impurity jesus is going house man jesus is going in on the scribes and pharisees because they're leading other people and they're leading them astray Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. (laughs) And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we wouldn't have taken part with them in the shedding of the prophet's blood. And so Jesus is saying, you're you're lying. You're lying. You testify against yourself by saying that what your ancestors did, you would have done the exact same thing as your ancestors. He says in verse 33, snakes, brood of vipers, how can you escape being condemned to hell? This is why I'm sending you prophets, sages, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. So Jesus said, look, I'm sending more prophets. I'm sending more sages. I'm sending more people representing my kingdom, and you're going to do the same thing that your ancestors did. You're going to do the exact same thing. He says, You will kill him, you'll crucify him, you'll flog him. You know? He says, so all the righteous blood shed on the earth will be charged to you. From the blood of righteous from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. So Jesus is saying, throughout history, for all of my people, all of my righteous people, all of my prophets, all the ones that, that were sent re- uh, representing the Lord God of armies, all of those who who were mistreated before you were born, he says, I'm gonna attribute them all to you. He says, truly I tell you, all these things will come on this generation. He's essentially saying, you're guilty for all of this, even though you weren't alive when these things happened, because you're gonna do the exact same thing. Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you uh, to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So Jesus is saying, uh, representing the Lord, you know how, how often I wanted to just gather you to me, but you weren't willing. You didn't want to come to me. He says, see, your house is left to you a desolation for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is pointing here in verse 39 to the future. He says, you will not see me again until you acknowledge who I am, which will occur in the millennial reign of Christ, which has not taken place yet. So we see here, you know, Jesus Jesus is always depicted as the man of love and kindness and mercy and compassion, and he is. But Jesus has multiple sides. He has a side that is irritated. He has a side that gets um, angry. He has a side that does not mince words when it comes to those who have been actively working against him, who are supposed to be in his house. He has no patience for that, none at all, and he is not hesitating in letting the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, Zealots, whoever else, he does not hesitate in letting them know in very frank and plain language. Calling them snakes, vipers, woe to you, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. But in his mercy and compassion, he, even to those, sends out an invitation. The message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In Romans chapter 10 verse 10 it says one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation for the scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of the because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him Jew Greek black white Asian, Indian, male, female, young, old, it matters not. It matters not. Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is a promise from the heavenly throne. The question is, do you believe it or not? And only you can answer that. And with that, we're done for the day. We'll pick it up tomorrow in uh episode 1, I guess 89 I think it'll be. Everybody be blessed, stay safe. Keep your keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.